Well, hello, City First Church fam. I'm so glad that each and every one of you are with us today. I'm praying that everyone's having a great summer so far. It's kind of hard to believe that we are already in the month of July. And I want to kick off our time together. I want to ask you a question. How many of you are summer bucket list people? Like summer starts and you start making a bucket list. In our family, it's become a big tradition that every year, as soon as school is out, we start making a summer bucket list. And with two little boys, everything in the kitchen sink gets on our list. You know, they want to go swimming, go camping, go golfing, make s'mores, catch frogs. And we have done all of those things except for camping, which is coming up, so pray for us. But while a bucket list is fun and it's great and I think it helps us to prioritize making memories with people that we love, I find that all too often we can, and I know that I can, be so consumed with all the doing that we can miss out on the being. We can fall prey to the pressures or demands of life externally at the expense of what's going on internally. And that's why today we're kicking off a brand new series that we are calling Summer of Soul. Because what if our bucket list wasn't just what we wanted to do, but consisted of becoming more and more of who God is calling each and every one of us to be? What if one of our goals was that by the end of summer, we are more like Jesus than when summer began? Socrates has a famous quote, and he says, be as you wish to seem. See, these days, it feels like there is a lot of effort and a lot of emphasis put on seeming to be a certain way. We want to seem like we got it all together. We want to seem like we know just what to say. We want to seem like we've got that picture just right with the right filter at the right angle. We want to seem like we're wearing the right thing, seem like we are happy and fulfilled and peaceful. But do you know that God offers us a way to actually be happy and fulfilled and peaceful? But it takes some soul work. And so as I've been praying about Summer of Soul series, I can't get away from the fact that one thing I believe our souls are desperate for is for more of God's peace. We see the lack of peace all around us in our nation, in homes, in workplaces, in communities. And maybe that's because before peace is realized around us, we first have to have God's peace within us. But here's the thing. I've got some good news for all of us this morning. How many of you like good news? Everybody likes some good news. Here's the good news about God's peace, is that God promises us the gift of peace. It's a promise from our amazing creator to each and every one of this, of each and every one of us. And it says this in Psalm 29, 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord blesses us with peace. It is a gift from God to you. He wants you 
to have it. He created you to operate in it. You don't have to earn God's peace. You don't have to deserve God's peace. He freely gives it to each and every one of us who is a follower of Christ because Christ himself is the embodiment of peace. Remember that Christmas verse? I know you don't want to think about Christmas time yet. It's cold and wintry. But in Isaiah 9, this verse that we often quote around Christmas time says, And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. And the God of Peace wants you to experience his supernatural peace that can pass all understanding. But here is the tension that we often experience. If God has promised us peace, if he's given us the gift of peace, why do we so often feel the exact opposite of peaceful? We often feel stressed over everything and there's so much anxiety and worry and fear and franticness. So if God says, I have peace for you, Why do we so often not operate and live in that peace that God freely gives us? Free to us, costly for him, but it's for us that he wants us to have this peace. And perhaps it's because we often settle for counterfeit peace instead of the supernatural peace that comes from God. You know, right before Jesus left this earth and he ascended to heaven, he gave us this word. In John chapter 14, 27, he says, peace, this is Jesus talking, peace, I leave with you. My peace, my peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, Jesus here is saying, I give you something that the world could never give you. Jesus is distinguishing his peace from the world's peace. He's saying, my peace is different than what the world might try to sell you as peace. And yet the world is relentless to try to sell us counterfeit peace. Does anyone else in here get all kinds of sponsored ads on their social media? Okay, like you go on Instagram to look at your friend's stories and then you're like swiping, you're just swiping through ads occasionally you might swipe up and you're like, those shoes are cute, right? But we just, we swipe through the ads. We get so much ads. And the social media people, whoever they may be, must know that I have a five and a six-year-old, two boys. And so the ads that they send me on my social media look like this. This candle that says peace. All right, social media people, as if when I light this candle, my kids are going to stop fighting and the laundry is going to fold itself and all will be well. All I need to do is get this candle. This is another Instagram ad that I get frequently. Okay. A personal sauna. The caption in here is like, 10 minutes will melt your stress away. I'm like, how am I going to chase my kids if I'm in that personal sauna? It is available for purchase for $200 on Amazon. I don't know why I know that. I promise, babe, I did not buy it. But you can purchase on Amazon. Another ad that I get frequently is a beach vacation. Your perfect family beach vacation. But any parent knows there is no vacation with kids. You're just parenting in a different city with maybe some better scenery. 
See the world. Everyone's applauding for that. They're like, amen, Lisa. We've all been there. See, the world says, do this. Go here. Wear that. Drink this. Get yourself a peace candle. And then you will have peace. Counterfeit peace will make you promises that it can never fulfill. And as Christ followers, we have to be able to identify the difference between counterfeit peace and God's supernatural gift of peace. And these are some things that we can see fall under the category of counterfeit peace. How do we know if it's counterfeit peace? Counterfeit peace is temporary. It's fleeting. It comes and it goes, but it doesn't last. Counterfeit peace is available for purchase. If you buy this, then you will. That's how we know it's not real peace. Counterfeit peace will lure you into a life of ease and comfort instead of purpose and mission that Christ calls us to live. Counterfeit peace is circumstantial. It can often be geographical. If you go to the beach, then you'll have peace, right? It can often be feelings-based. But God's peace, God's peace offers us a contentment that we are trying to find everywhere else but can only be found in God. God's peace offers us a completeness that we are praying for and looking for. God's peace offers us a wholeness that we can never find anywhere else in this broken world. God's peace offers us well-being, holistic well-being. God's peace offers us harmony and unity and peace. It's really interesting. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. The word shalom means wholeness, completeness, fullness of peace. What's amazing is that this word was used traditionally as a Jewish greeting. They would see one another and they would greet each other by saying shalom. Can you imagine people coming over to your house and they greet you? Shalom. Peace be with you. You see someone in the market passing by and they say, shalom, may completeness and well-being and wholeness be with you. Sometimes they would even say, shalom, shalom, which means a double portion of peace be upon you. What a beautiful way to greet one another. Today we see each other and we're like, sup? You see the gas prices? Right? Maybe we should go back to being like, shalom, peace. Be with you and with your family. So how do we experience this peace, this shalom peace, this authentic peace that can only be found in God? Well, I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, if you notice, the perfect peace that is offered to us has nothing to do with our circumstances. It has nothing to do with the climate of our culture currently. This peace has nothing to do with situations or preferences because Jesus knew that this world would be full of crazy situations, crazy circumstances, and indeed troubling times. It says in John 16, I have told you these things, again, Jesus speaking, so that in me you may have peace. 
In the world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. See, in this world, and it's something that we all know, this is not a surprise. In this world, we will have trouble. And we certainly do. And many times, the troubles that we face can be things that are out of our control. There's things that are happening all around us that are beyond our control. Things like world events that we see unfolding all around the globe that are troubling. There's things like health diagnoses. Maybe you've had a health diagnosis or someone that you love have that has caused trouble for you. Sometimes trouble can come in the form of our business or a place of employment or something with a business partner. Things that are out of our control can be things like inflation or maybe gossip, what someone has said about you or what they perceive about you. That's out of your control. You had nothing to do with it. Maybe something that's happened on social media or been said on social media, things within your family, family situations that you did not initiate, family situations that are out of your control and yet you find yourself in the overflow of the family drama. There's things that are out of our control when it comes to maybe certain transitions in your life or with your family or maybe tragedies that we all experience from time to time that's troubling and out of our control or things that we see on the news. And this is what I know, that the enemy will want us to look at all of these things and he wants us to be fixated on them. He wants us to be distracted by them. He wants us to be discouraged by them. He wants us to be defeated by them. He wants us to determine that because of all of this going on around me, I can't have peace within me. But what I realize, church, is that yes, God gives us peace, a promise of peace, and yet something that I do, and maybe you do too, is we give away the peace that God has given to us too quickly. We forfeit the peace that God has promised us. God says, I give you peace, and we say, but this person said this about me, and now I'm freaking out. God says, I have peace for you. And then this tough circumstance comes and we're stressed and we just forfeit the peace and we forget that God ever gave it to us. We're scrolling on social media and we're feeling good about our lives and we see that this person is over here doing this amazing thing and we feel left out about, and now your contentment is gone. We give away our peace. We forfeit it too quickly. But I want us to remember today that we can't just be focused on what's out of our control, but we also have to be focused on what is in our control. And we have to remind ourselves that peace is not found in the absence of problems, but peace is found in Jesus Christ. And that's good news for us today. You might be walking through one of the most craziest, complicated seasons of your life. And yet the God of peace is available to you right now. We have City First family that are joining us from Dixon and Hardy Correctional Center. They are inmates there, and yet, even there, they are experiencing the peace that God says is available to them regardless of situations, regardless of circumstances. But we have to stop just forfeiting our peace to whatever comes our way. 
And that verse in Isaiah chapter 26, 3, I want you to notice that it doesn't say who will have perfect peace. Those with a life of ease. Who will have perfect peace? Those with no problems. Who will have perfect peace? Those with no pressure. No, it says those who trust in God and whose thoughts are fixed on him will have perfect peace. Many things are out of our control, but I love how practical this verse is. I am a practical person. I'm like, give me something today that I can implement today and tomorrow. Like, let's be practical. And this verse is so practical because it says that even though things are out of our control, our job is to take responsibility for what is in our control. And what is in our control, no matter our circumstances, is our trust in God and having our thoughts fixed on him. And when we have our thoughts fixed on God and we decide to place our trust in God, when we stop fixating on what is out of our control and instead put our trust in God and our thoughts fixed on him, we will gain a peace and a perspective and a clarity that God desires us to have. The circumstances of this world will begin to take a back seat to the ways and to the peace of God. God's peace is available to us no matter what you're walking through. So in the remainder of our time together, I want to break down these two things that we just talked about. In order to experience God's peace, we must, number one, trust God. we got to learn to trust God. And we can't make the mistake of knowing God for meaning that we automatically are trusting God. Remember Matthew chapter 8, it's Jesus and the disciples They're in a boat, and they're crossing through the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is with the disciples that he hand-selected. And Jesus and the disciples spent a lot of time together, like 24-7, seven days a week. They were together all the time. And they get to this place. They've been traveling and doing ministry, and they get in a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee, and they're in this boat, and Jesus decides to take a nap. How much do you love Jesus? You're like, I can follow him. He's a nap taker. That's great. So Jesus is in the boat, and he takes a nap. And the disciples are up. Who knows what they're doing? But in their journey along the way, all of a sudden, a storm starts rolling in. The clouds get dark. The sky is dark. The waves start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The boat starts getting thrashed. Maybe it's storming and raining on them. And the disciples start freaking out. What are we going to do? The boat is going to turn over. What are we going to do? We're in the boat in the middle of a storm. Meanwhile, Jesus is in the same boat, in the same storm, still full of peace and asleep. And the disciples are like, what do we do? Okay, we're going to wake up Jesus and we're going to beg him that he would save us from the storm. So Matthew 8, 26, the disciples wake up Jesus from his nap, so he's not happy. And he says this. Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. See, the disciples were in the same storm as Jesus. And they were so focused on the external storm, they forgot about the internal peace that was available to them. And what the disciples focused on, the wind, the waves, the storm, what they focused on fed their fear. Their eyes were on the storm instead of on Jesus. And so their fear showed their lack of trust 
even though the God of peace was right there with them, physically, tangibly, they did not yet trust him, and therefore, they did not have the peace that he offered. They were with Jesus, and yet they didn't trust Jesus. And maybe you believe in Jesus, and maybe you've professed your faith in him, but maybe he doesn't fully have your trust yet. And I want to encourage us today, if we are going to receive the peace that Jesus offers us, we have to do our part and place our trust in him. Is there an area in your life right now that maybe you're not trusting God with completely? A good litmus test for me is that I will kind of assess, do a little inventory and see if there's any areas that maybe I'm feeling fearful about. Maybe you're afraid when it comes to finances, or you're fearful for your children, or for your health, or for your job, or for your future. If you're afraid, then it's likely that you're not trusting God all the way in that area, because we cannot be full of fear and trust in God simultaneously. And what's so crazy is that when we are afraid, we're actually putting trust in the fear instead of trust in our almighty, powerful, miracle-working, way-making God. He can handle whatever it is that you're walking through. He is worthy of your trust. So how do we trust God more? In my life of years and decades of following Jesus, I have learned that the more that I get to know God, the more that I trust him. The more you get to know him, The more that you trust him, the more that you see he's trustworthy. So how do we get to know him more? We attend church frequently. We come as often as we can every Sunday. We read the Bible consistently. We speak his word out loud to remind us of the promises that he's given us. And we speak that over our lives and our families' lives. What if every day we woke up and we said, God, today I choose to place my trust in you. The other area that really grows our trust in God is when we are obedient to do what he asks us to do. Because when you're obedient, you can't see what's on the other side of your obedience. But once you walk through on the other side of the obedience, you will see God's provision. You will see the breakthrough. You will see the answered prayer. You know, every week we get up here. This is the time and service where every time we gather, we receive a free will offering. It's where we give God his tithes and our offerings. And I love that God created the local church to operate by the people who call it home, giving back to God through that church. But more than anything with finances, what giving is about is our trust in God. And God designed it to work this way because he knows if we can trust him with our finances, we're going to trust him with basically everything else. But if we don't trust God, then we don't give him the opportunity to prove himself faithful to us. So in order to experience God's peace, we must trust God. And point number two, don't worry, I don't have 87 points, just only two points. So point number two is we fix our thoughts on God. Do you know that what you think about really matters? That your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. And it's good to pause and just think about, what do you think about? What is your mind fixed on? What is your mind focused on? When you have a moment, where do you see that your mind is 
drifting to. And choosing to fix our thoughts on God is not magical thinking that makes all bad things go away. It's purposeful thinking that puts God in his rightful place. The word fix, I love this definition. There's two actions within this one word. Fix means to lean upon or to take hold of. And I think in order to fix our thoughts on God, both of these things are necessary. In some moments of your life, you need to lean on God. Maybe rest in him as if there's like a wall and you're putting all your weight and you're leaning against it. We need to lean on God. We need to lean on God's ways instead of our own ways. We need to lean on God's wisdom instead of our best idea. We need to lean on God's strength when we're feeling weak. We need to lean on God's peace when we're tempted to be worried. But there's also time where we got to get a little bit aggressive and we have to take hold of our thoughts. We must think about what we're thinking about. Too often we are so passive with what we allow and what we entertain up here. We have to be willing to take hold of our thoughts and make sure that these thoughts are honoring God and in alignment with God's character and with his word and with his ways. If you're saying things to yourself that God wouldn't say about you, take hold of that thought. Replace that lie with the truth that you are loved and you have purpose and God has a plan for your life. You are not an accident. You are here for a reason. But so often we get these thoughts and we just let them camp out and we can't do that anymore. We have to be proactive to take hold of our thoughts and bring them into alignment with what God's word says. And I want to wrap up today by reading a verse from a couple verses from Philippians chapter 4. And if there's anything that you take away from today, I hope you go home and you just read these couple of verses every day over the next week. Because these verses help us to receive God's peace and they help us to fix our thoughts on God. And this is what it says. Don't worry about anything. What are you worried about right now? God says, don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. You can't do both, worry and pray. So turn those worries into prayers. Tell God what you need. I often find that when I pause long enough to actually pray instead of worry, all of the confusion and clutter gets kind of silenced out, and God will give me clarity to what the actual problem is, what the actual root of the issue is. And then I can tell God, God, this is what I need. I do need wisdom. Then we begin to thank him for all that he has done. And when you reflect on what he's done, it builds your faith for your future. It says, then, 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 you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. It's a peace that passes our human understanding. goes on to say, his peace will guard your hearts and minds. That word guard is a military term, and it actually means a battalion. Like a battalion of soldiers would be surrounding someone or something. So when we are focused on God and our thoughts are fixed on him and we're trusting him, he gives us a peace that will guard us. Yes, the world may be full of chaos around us, but there's protection over our heart and there's protection over our minds in Christ Jesus. Goes on to say, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of 
praise. You know, it can be sometimes easier to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise when things are going well. But we all have encountered or will encounter times where things aren't going well. You know, my parents are nearing 70 years old, but I'm telling you they're living life like they are 17. Like they are on the go. My mom calls me at midnight. I'm like, mom, I am asleep right now. Like they're just having a great time, loving on their grandbabies and uh, just living life to the full. And last fall, uh, my parents were in Mexico with a bunch of their friends. They were on vacation. And my mom is notorious for sending text messages that should be a phone call or a face-to-face conversation. Like she texted me when my childhood dog had passed away. I was like, that's not a text, mom. She's texted me when like family members have passed away. I'm like, that's a phone call. So I'm in a meeting here at church, and I try not to look at my phone when I'm in meetings, but I happened to glance at my phone, and I saw a text message from my mom, and I knew they were in Mexico, and she said, Lisa, your dad was in a really bad ATV accident, and he's in the hospital in Mexico. So I read the text, I excuse myself from the meeting, and I go and I call my mom, and she answers. I was like, so you can make calls from Mexico. She's like, Lisa. So I was like, how is dad? And she said he had a very high impact hit from an ATV accident. So his body is all bruised up. His nose is fractured. Um, It was a pretty rough situation. They rushed him to the hospital there. And they took some care of him. And then they were supposed to fly home a couple days later. And he was able to fly home. So he got back to America went to his doctor, and they gave him the thumbs up. They're like, you're pretty bruised up. you got to, you know, take care of your knee especially was hit really hard and your nose, but, but you're going to be okay. So a couple weeks go by, and my dad starts to feel really sick, and he has a really high fever, and he's, like, really pale and shaking. And so he goes to the hospital, and the doctor um, is looking at him and sees that there are some problems that have occurred. And so my family is in Ohio. I live here in Rockford. And so I get a text message from my mom. And she says, your dad is going into emergency surgery. Uh, If they don't operate on him immediately, he could lose his limb or lose his life. And so I'm with Adam. And I was like, okay, I got to drive to Ohio. He's like, go. I got the kids. So I just like hop in the car. And it took me seven hours to get to the hospital in Ohio. And, you know, through that whole thing, there's processes going on. It takes a while to get admitted into surgery. And I'm telling you, if it's ever a time that is difficult to fix your thoughts and trust in God, it's when you're in the middle of an unknown situation or experiencing a difficult situation. So I have seven hours by myself and my mind starts drifting to, he's not going to make it. You didn't get to say goodbye. And then I would drift back to Philippians 4, whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is lovely. Think on these things. And then I would drift back to, why are my parents ATVing in Mexico? And then my mind would think back to, okay, keep praying and keep believing and keep trusting. And I just kept going back and forth. My mind would drift and then I would have to fix. My mind would drift and I have to fix my thoughts on God. And sometimes when you feel like you don't even have enough strength or focus to fix your mind on what is true, that's when we crank up the worship music and we just say the words that affirm what we want to believe and what we want to feel. And so in that car ride, I'm just worshiping my heart out for something that I haven't even seen come to pass yet. 
believing that God was with my dad and that in the scary moment for my dad, God's peace was surrounding him supernaturally, tangibly, and he knew he wasn't facing that situation alone. So seven hours, I get to the hospital, it's midnight. I walk in and the lady at the desk is like, you can't come, no, no visitors at this hour. And I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and sneak in. And she was like, you're not allowed to do that, but just hang a left and you'll be fine. So she let me go. Afterwards, my mom was like, you could have just shown your pastor card. That gets you into all hospitals. So like, that, was a, that would have been a great idea, but I didn't think about that. And so I get up to the hospital and my dad, the hospital room, and my dad had already come out of surgery and was coming to, and he was coherent. And I walked in and I see that his leg has been saved and that he's breathing. And I walk up to dad. I was like, oh, I'm so glad that you're okay. And he just said, Lisa, God has been faithful to me my whole life. He's not going to fail me now. And, you know, the next couple of weeks were pretty touch and go. They had gotten the infection somewhat out of his blood. And then his kidney started to fail. Like it was a pretty scary three weeks. And all during those three weeks, I just kept going. I have to fix my thoughts on God. I got to put my trust in him. He's been faithful before. He's going to be faithful again. And I'm so happy to say that eight months later, my dad is in perfect health. His leg is fine. His body is fine. His kidneys are good. And I'm so grateful for that. But I can't imagine walking through that difficult season without the peace that God had to offer in the middle of a troubling, trying circumstance. And maybe today you're with us, you're in person, you're online, you're in whatever room, and maybe you find yourself going through a difficult situation. It might be really big, it might seem kind of small, but do you know that our God cares about you and every single thing that you care about, God cares about. There's nothing too small for God to care about, and there's nothing too big for him to care about. And there's nothing too small or too big that God can't turn around. And so maybe you find yourself in a situation where you are desperate for God's peace. Maybe your mind is playing games on you. Maybe your marriage is in a really rough spot. Maybe your bank account doesn't look like what you need it to look like. Maybe you're going through a health crisis that has just knocked the wind out of you and you're exhausted from battling whatever it is that you've been battling. I'm here today to encourage you not to give up, to hang on to hope, and to receive the peace that God has for you in the middle of whatever situation you find yourself in. And I want to wrap up our time together today by simply coming to God in prayer. And I believe that as we pray, instead of worry, a great exchange is going to happen. That maybe the heaviness you walked in here with is going to be lifted that maybe the hopelessness that you walked in here with is going to be replaced with a supernatural hope, that maybe the stress and the anxiety is gonna to begin to melt away as you experience a peace that is beyond our human understanding that is available to you today. So I'm gonna ask everyone if you would go ahead and close your eyes, bow your head, and if you say, Lisa, would you pray for me today to receive God's peace? in the middle of what I'm walking in, big or small, would you just raise your hand? Hands are going up everywhere. Basically, everybody's hand is up because we all need more of God's peace. So Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and I pray for your supernatural peace into each and every one of the situations that are represented by a raised hand. 
God, we pray against the enemy in the name of Jesus. He has no power, no authority. We're done being distracted and defeated. God, we rise up in the victory that you offer us because of Jesus. Father, we claim your peace. God, we thank you for your provision. Father, we're going to take hold of it and not let it slip through our fingers with whatever wave might come crashing our way. God, we thank you that you are our security in the middle of storms, in the middle of unknown, in the middle of chaos. We can still place our trust in you because you are trustworthy. Thank you that you work miracles. Thank you that you're our healer. God, for those maybe who need a physical healing, God, I pray you would do it even right now. For those who need a relationship to be restored, I pray that you would do that work and begin it right now. God, we thank you that you are the God who meets us right at our every need. And maybe you're in here today and you've never made the decision to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life. You want the peace that comes from God, but that only happens when we have first a relationship with him. And so if you want to make the decision today to dedicate your life to Christ, I want to give you the opportunity. And if that's you, you say, I want to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of my life. Would you go ahead and just slip up your hand? No one's looking around. Only I am. And this isn't joining a church. It's not about religion. It's about relationship with Jesus. And I see your hands, and I see a hand in the back. I see another hand in the back and in the front. Hands going up all over. And once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. And would everybody repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus, that he forgives my sins and gives me a fresh start. Today I choose to make him the leader and forgiver of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we give everybody who prayed that prayer a round of applause? And can we give God praise that he's with us, for us, working on our behalf? Love you so much, church.